talk about the markets again, listeners, with just myself and Andrew. Um, Andrew, we'll start off with you, mate. What's been going on in the uh, grain and offset space? Anything exciting? Yeah, like, look, again, coming to that pointy end of the year, which is always the, uh, the exciting time, we've got you know, headers in parts of the country coming out of the shed, getting oiled and greased up and ready to go. Uh, fingers crossed that the weather holds. Looks like the weather forecast is potentially for a wet couple of months, which, you know, is not good for, for the harvest, not good for the quality, but fingers crossed that bomb are as accurate as normal and we uh, and it ends up dry for, for that harvesting period. But no, I think the uh, like the two interesting things again are, are just that that canola price. You know, in WA we had it, you know hitting that sort of breaching that barrier of a thousand Aussie dollars a ton in in, in Kwanana. and that's just fantastic considering you know we're talking six hundred dollars a ton, you know, only sort of eight months ago, and and that's that's a fantastic sort of sort of result. Again, it's coming back towards that. You know, the world's realizing that Canada doesn't have a crop. They, they are exporting a little bit, but the export volume is going to be minimal. And so the world is turning to Australia. You know, we're going to have a, you know, a record crop, touch wood, fingers crossed. And, and as the second largest exporter of, of canola stroke rapeseed, we are the place to go. Um, so for farmers' point of view, fantastic prices. Look, I think what we've been saying for a long time, I think we said it on previous podcasts and wrote it in articles in our, in our day job, is that there is an opportunity for, for next season. You know, you're talking, it's even better than it was last time we spoke about it. You're talking November next year, ice futures, 780 Aussie dollars, bearing in mind that we normally have, uh, you know, a positive basis to, to Canada. So you can add on 20 to $40 on top of that as a, as a sort of an average number. And you're talking about, you know, historically a very good number. A couple of risks around that, I guess, you know, if Canada you know, is still very, very dry and there's not much moisture in the soil. So, you know, in theory, they could have, you know, another poor crop next year, but it could turn around as well. They could have, you know, a massive crop next year. This far out, anyone that says that they're going to have a bad crop in, in Canada at this point is just guessing it. And, uh, could be big, could be small, but if you're starting off with, you know, 780 plus basis, it's not a bad starting point. It's uh, a good so. point you make. It's a good point you make, though, Andrews. You've you kind of brushed over a little bit around the, the weather. I know the, the most recent Bureau of Meteorology forecast, and, and we know that there are some farmers out there that, that um, don't pay much attention to the to the three-month outlook. They, they don't, you know, they don't think that it's very accurate, but certainly the current one is showing we're going to have wet, kind of spring right the way through to December. Um, I did see it, when that was first released, there was a couple of people online that, um, that commented how great that is to see all this rain, but um, you were fairly quick to, uh, to point out, mate, that um, coming into harvest, we, rain's the last thing we need when we're trying to get the harvest off. Well, I guess there'll be places that can still take advantage of, of that wet weather over the next couple of weeks. But what we don't want to do is see, you know, I remember back to like sort of 2010, 2000, I think it was 2010. Somebody will correct me anyway if I got it wrong. Uh, we had that sort of really wet season, you know, when, when Toowoomba was flooding and, and whatnot. And then we had, you know, sprouted grain, whatnot. We had, you know, people going through their paddocks in the boats rather than headers. 
And that, again, causes big issues of quality, which which means you get good quality premiums, which is something I've not actually mentioned. Uh, but I think you know, the, the big issue with that is this year is that back in 2010 or whenever that wet season was, uh, we did have plenty of labor. So if you've seen a storm coming, you could, you know, get it harvested and, and work double hours and, and get as much harvesting as possible. This year, we're not going to have that. We don't have the backpacker workforce. And so that is the big issue around the labor is, is, is getting it off before the rains come, especially if, you know, if the forecast is for wet. And I guess it comes back to that miserable doer Scotsman that I am <laughs> is, uh, you know, you might not believe these bomb forecasts, but I'd rather be planning for those forecasts and everything go okay. Uh, that would say, you know, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best, you know, and that's that's just the reality. But then, but that is a good point. You know, the fact of the matter is, our protein premiums at the moment are, are pretty terrible, you know, compared to historic numbers. Uh, in, in a drought year, protein premiums are, are low because nobody gives a monkey's about um, protein premiums uh, because it's just going down a, an animal's throat. Whereas in a normal year, you know, protein premiums start to, to sort of expand, but they're not. We're not really seeing that yet, you know. And, and maybe there's a bit of less demand from overseas for for high protein weights, um, but may, and and obviously a bit of stocks left over from last year. But I guess the question is, if we have a wet season, will we start to see those premiums start to start to rise? You know, a big big strong premium from uh, H2 H1 to uh, ASW. So I think that's that's the sort of the big things we're looking at at the moment with this this coming harvest is. Uh, see what happens. Like I think with the canola this year, I'm not really fussed at all. You know, I know we're supposed to be saying, oh, you should be selling or whatever, but I think the reality is the price is going to be good. There's still some frost risk. There's still some hail risk. There's still some wind risk on canola. And I think the chances of canola falling between now and harvest is is so minimal uh, that well, okay, it's going to fall. It's not going to fall much. Mm. You know, we're not going to see $700 a tonne at harvest we're still going to see a phenomenal number so but i think i guess that's that's the interesting thing well labor is not only impacting upon grains you know we're we're obviously we spoke to richard reardon last week about you know the outpack outcome of of all these covid lockdowns mm. and and one of the things we mentioned was uh, abattoirs and we actually mentioned the colac abattoir in relation to last year's outbreak there, and and now they've had more outbreaks again. What's happening there? Yeah, that's right. Actually, there's a few. It's um, Colac of, although the, the outbreak in Colac um, was with, it's not in the factory. It's it's workers or or people that know workers within Colac, but they have shut the Colac plant um, temporarily just to make sure they don't get it in there. Um, the other one was Midfield Meats in Warrnambool had a couple of case or two, I think. Uh, Ararat was one um, nearer to us, Andrew, that, that had it. So and I think there was a few others that were reported. I think there's a total of six abattoirs around the country that have got um, some level of case there. Uh, and then when you overlay um, some of these closures of abattoirs, as well as we've got the, the metropolitan workforce restrictions um, that can only go to, uh, uh, I think it's 25% less capacity or whatever they can do at the moment. Um, that's impacting some of the boning rooms that are closer into that metro area. So, so it's the middle of the spring flush just now, yeah? Uh, we, uh, we, we're kind of, it's a, we're about to start to see them flow through 
Um, thankfully, last week, yardings were on the lower end of normal um, in Victoria. Uh, so it's been a bit slow to get going, but uh, October is when the numbers start to pick up. We, we usually see about, uh, look, on average, say, you know, by the end of October, 65, 60,000 head of sheep come, uh, lambs coming through every week in, in Victoria sale yards. And then by kind of November, it gets up early November, 75, 80,000. By the end of November, 100,000. And into December, you know, 120, 130,000 is an un, 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 unusual. So what's, um, what's, the, what's the impact if we still maintain this sort of, you know, abattoir close downs and, you know, 25% lower capacity? Um, it's going to be a problem if we don't get it sorted out very soon. Um, we are, if you look at, and that's the yardings of the numbers we're looking at in terms of what's presenting, for, particularly for lambs this time of year in Victoria. But um, the other thing we're looking at, of course, is, is what's going on with slaughter volumes each week in the, um, in the key two states, which is mainly Victoria and New South Wales, the processing states predominantly for, um, for sheep and lamb. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing now, actually, as of last week, the, uh, the Victorian numbers are remaining on the lower end of normal. Um, obviously, the, the workforce restrictions and COVID are causing issues there. But it's a curious thing. We saw this happen last year as well when, when Victoria went into a lockdown and abattoirs were shut down uh, through late winter or midwinter to spring last year. Um, that was a fortuitous time because we don't get many lambs presenting then. Um, but New South Wales abattoirs had a bit of spare capacity and through that whole time we saw New South Wales abattoirs increase their processing of lambs to kind of compensate for, for the fact that Victoria was out of action to a degree. Um, this week we've seen exactly the same thing happen now, um, or the week just gone, um, ending October the 1st. We've seen um, Victorian abattoirs are running about 12% below, you know, what you'd think is normal for this time of the year. Um, but the New South Wales ones are running 15% above average. So they basically offset each other. And New South Wales are, are pretty much shouldering the current burden of, of lambs presenting for, uh, for processing. But um, I think if, if Victoria can't get up and running in the next kind of you know, week to a fortnight, um, I don't think New South Wales has the capacity to continue to, to shoulder the burden. Once these big numbers of lambs start coming through the sale yard, we absolutely need Victorian abattoirs to be, to be able to process. But we're starting to move. In Victoria, we're starting to move towards less restrictions. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's okay. one of those. It's one. Yeah, it, I get the impression that the, that the government's looking more at the vaccination, uh, you know, rollout and the numbers of vaccinated rather than looking at case numbers at the moment. Now, I think uh, they, they certainly seem to have shifted their attention to some date in the near future where we're going to um, be happy to open up more because more people are being vaccinated. Um, and I guess, um, you know, that's one thing on our side, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to definitely be opened up fully by middle or end of October or into early November. Which, I, but, which I'm, um, I'm fully vaccinated, Matt, as we all know. Mm, you're, a little bit, you're a little I'm, bit, uh, not, we were feeling so well earlier in the week, though, were you? I've been feeling sick ever since I had the bloody thing. You know, I've been feeling the second, poor. The second dose? Second dose. Look, I'd still get it again. Like I still think it's the right thing to do, but geez, I felt lethargic, even more lethargic than normal. Mm. So anyway. just have to shuffle around your house in your crocs and your dressing gown. So well, no, we, well, no well, change there. <laughs> well, well, the marsh is in lockdown anyway. So no, that's it. That's true. That's so, true. so we got a, we got a week lockdown. Yeah, look, the only other thing exciting. So obviously, the the processing story, and we're actively watching to see how that plays out. 
certain yet. Um, but the other big thing was we saw um, late last week, we saw heavy steer price take off um, and uh, go up about 35 cents in one day. And we're already, we're already at very high levels. Um, so we're sitting, heavy steer remarkably is sitting at 475 cents a kilo live weight. So the heavy, heavy steers are the ones that are going to go to abattoir. Hmm, yep, that's correct. So finish that's a finished finish product. Yep, and it's just a massive number. Um, so does, so that, that, does that give a, a bit of a impetus for that Eki staying high? Well, that's exactly what we saw. So heavy steer took off, and then just yesterday, um, the Eki increased again. So we've just seen, as of last night, the Eki was, I think, at 10.54 cents a kilo, nearly 10.55 cents a kilo carcass weight. Um, so, you know, added an extra 10 or 15 cents to the to the Eki price, which, again, as everyone knows, is already at record levels. Um, we've got some analysis coming out, uh, just looking at you know that as a trading as a trading scenario, and um, without going into too much detail. But surprisingly, with with the heavy steer price up here and the and the prospect of next year seeing some reasonably good numbers for heavy steer pricing through the season, um, even buying young cattle up these levels, if you're looking at a grass fed trade, there actually still is some money in it, which might come as a shock to some, but that's what the uh, the computer says yes at the moment, not no. Well. All pretty positive for agriculture, really, hmm. and, unless you're a buyer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, no, like I think that's interesting because obviously it has been, that Eki has just been almost like canola. It's really just been taken off and probably beating most most expectations. Probably probably Eki is probably beating it. Like on, on a canola, you could tell the market was going to go. Like we've been saying since... April, May, you know, don't worry about it. The Canada's stuffed. You know, they can't get back from that, especially even in June when you had those hot days and that rain. You kind of knew that it wasn't going to turn back again. But the Eki is sort of, it's harder because it, you know, it shouldn't have had as much strength necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Or harder, or harder to predict, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know... Because the... there was some people predicting that it should be 400 <laughs> by September. Yeah. Um, no, look, we we, we kind you? of thought no, it wasn't me, but we thought we thought there was a fair chance we we're going to see some record levels. Um, where we're at now is probably about a hundred cents above where I thought it would stop. Um, but in saying that, if you had asked me at the start of the year, what's the chances of seeing heavy heavy steers, you know, close to five dollars um, live weight? I would have said, tell them you're dreaming. Um, so you know, particularly given that we're got record high cattle costs when you compare us to the rest of the world. You, um, we've got um, processes, certainly in the beef space, that are, that are making massive losses, biggest they've ever lost, you know, biggest losses they've ever made on a monthly basis for the last 20 years as far as our modelling shows. Um, so, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's really the, it's really, you know, when you get down to the heavy steer end of the market, you know, there's not many restockers buying heavy steers. It's only processes that are going to be buying them. And if they're losing money hand over fist, um, you know, but they're still obviously having to scramble to get this very, very low numbers of stock around. They're, they're prepared to pay what they've got to pay to stop the, you know, they don't want to shut the plant down, I guess. They've got to keep, they've got to keep rolling. They've got export um, orders to fulfil. So, you know, you can't take this short-term view and say, um, oh, well, we're losing money. We're just going to not supply our customers in Japan or South Korea or, you know, wherever else because it's too costly. You, never, long, get those, you, you, know, you never get those guys back again, right? So you've got to... It's been a long time though. Hmm. Well, I think we've well, got to have deep pockets, I think. And um, it's not like the abattoirs wouldn't have known this 
tight season was coming and, and they have, if you go back just a couple of years when we were going through that last drought, um, margins were very strong. So the, the bigger players, um, the ones that are a bit more shrewd, might have been able to um, put a bit of money put aside in the kitty for, for a rainy day and, and now it's a rainy day. Yep, that's that's farming, isn't it? Both sides. Mm. Works both ways. That's so that was a sort of a bit of a summary, I guess. We'll probably probably leave it there, Matt. Idea is that we just give a short summary on what's happening. Most of the time, we're not really interested in talking about markets. We'll we'll stick to speaking to guests. We've got another guest we're interviewing or chatting with on Friday, and we've got another couple next week lined up. So, yeah, thanks, listeners, for for listening. See you when you got nothing on. And if you've got any questions, you know, reach out to us on Twitter. Ciao for now. Thank you.